Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. International News Review. Uh, welcome back to 89.3 Money FM Saturday mornings. Welcoming Steve Oaken, Senior Advisor at McClarty Associates in our International News Review. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, GVZ. And you know, Neil sent me a message after I was on CNBC saying I never dress up for you guys. I'm always in a t-shirt. So, Neil, I, I'm dressed up today. <laughs> uh, you see, he does listen to me. I, there is a first. I'm very gratified. Somebody Thank has you. to. Somebody has to. He doesn't. He doesn't. Never, never. Hey, uh, we're going to get right into it. we got lots to talk about today. And and, and sadly, we have to start with a, a, a fairly somber story. Um, U.S. journalist Danny Fenster has been sentenced to 11 years in jail in Myanmar. Uh, take us through uh, what he did, Steve, or what they allege he did. Uh, yeah, the key is what they allege he did. I mean, he, and it's very significant because he's the first Western journalist to have been sentenced uh, to prison in, in Myanmar in years. You know, they've, they've gotten over 100 local you know, journalists and media professionals locked up. But this is clearly uh, a sign of intimidation uh, to say no one is safe in Myanmar if we can arrest a, an American journalist on, on trumped-up charges and throw him in jail for 11 years. Um, we can crack down on anybody. So it's, it's, a, it's a bad sign for journalism, but it's a bad sign and a worse sign for the people in Myanmar. And what will the U.S. government do? Can they do anything on this issue? I mean, they could, but I don't think they will. I mean, you know, the, the Danny's lawyer said two things. He said, first, this was a, a message being sent out. But second, um, it was a message to the U.S. Um, that the generals and the Huta don't appreciate being hit with economic sanctions. Mm. They can bite back with, with hostage diplomacy. Um, but I don't think the, the U.S. is going to be intimidated uh, by the junta. I think, if anything, it, it'll push the U.S. harder in bringing together an international coalition, most importantly, includes, including ASEAN, um, to, to get the, these you know, murdering generals out of, out of power. Yeah, Fenster was the managing editor of the online uh, site Frontier Myanmar. He's been there for many years. He was uh, uh, accused, found guilty of breaching immigration laws, unlawful association, etc., uh, etc., et sedition, terrorism. At, at what point does this feel like what we've seen perhaps uh, in China recently, which is he is at some point going to be a bargaining chip? Uh, if uh, the U.S. plays nice and does this, then perhaps Fenster's sentence will be reduced or suspended. Uh, do you get a sense that he, he will just be some sort of a pawn at some point uh, when when the generals decide what exactly they want from the U.S.? I, mean, I don't I don't think so. I mean, I think like I mean, you know, hostage diplomacy can work. It, it very much depends on the situation. The U.S. doesn't ever want to engage in it. Um, but sometimes uh, if not the U.S. government directly, but but U.S. interests do um, start to do some things along trading off, but I don't see any trade off coming here. Um, and you know, not only did they, you know, sentence him to 11 years, but Glenn, you mentioned they now have charges against him for sedition, um, in treason. That trial is supposed to take place November 16th. That would come with a life sentence. Mm. I don't expect him to be in jail for the 11 years. I, I think that there will be some, he will have to be released because the pressure is going to get too hot on Myanmar, but I don't think they're going to get any concessions for it. Yeah. All right. Let's move on, Steve. Uh, we do need to talk about the U.S. and China. Uh, as reported in our news at the top of the hour today, um, Biden and Xi will meet in their first video conference uh, on, or they're calling it a summit, I guess, on Monday, this coming Monday. But this past week, uh, they made some prod- progress in the climate arena agreeing to some um, broad uh, 
works when it comes to coal and uh, some of our climate uh, issues. Uh, take us through where we're at with the relationship right now between Beijing and, and Washington. Well, you know, the Biden administration had said we are going to have a, a different approach towards China. We are going to confront them where they need to be confronted, such as on human rights. We're going to compete with them, um, you know, for business deals, compete with them uh, in, in diplomacy. But we're going to cooperate where it's in our shared national interest. And the, the two most obvious are COVID and, and the climate. And to date, that hadn't occurred yet, but we had a real breakthrough, a significant breakthrough led by the, the Chinese climate negotiators and the U.S. climate negotiators led by Secretary Kerry, where the two sides said, we are going to look at, at climate as a standalone in- issue that's in our national interest to cooperate on. So while there weren't a lot of specifics, this is significant, and it does set up having that, that first summit between you know, President Xi and, and President Biden. And just to wrap that up, I mean, COP26 will conclude this weekend. As we sit here, they're still finalising and tweaking and tweaking and tweaking the draft and the various comments in it. The standout ones that I see, Steve, they're going to pursue efforts, that's in inverted commas, to limit heating at 1.5 degrees. Seems a positive. They still can't reach an agreement on the terminology of fossil fuels, how it's going to be written up in the final draft. What is your takeaway from COP26 as we wrap it up? I, I love that pursue efforts, right? Pursue efforts. Well, they can't. We're, we're going to make an attempt to try to talk about something yeah. and have a discussion that might lead to a conclusion. It's almost like a, a sitcom, isn't it? I can imagine we all sitting around. Fossil fuels. What, what, what qualifies as a fossil fuel? What doesn't? Unabated? Oh, anyway, Steve. What is the definition of is? What is the definition of dirty brown coal? <laughs> but I, I got to say, I think it. You know, like, I'm going to be the optimist yeah, on yeah, this. Yeah. And you have the U.S. and China talking together. Mm. Uh, you have the countries of the world saying, "Okay, here's where our, our the, where the rubber hits the road." You know, where where we have to figure out how are we going to do carbon trading? How are we going to create a carbon market? Um, there's so many technical issues around uh, carbon offsets when it comes to the accounting for them, when it comes to their transparency, verifying them. That's not going to get resolved, of course, in, in, in Glasgow. But hopefully their discussions will continue and, and it will have a stakeholder uh, engagement with the business community, the finance community, the energy companies who weren't, some of them weren't even invited to Glasgow and, right. and the, the governments and the regulators. But you still have all the difficult trade-off issues where you have, you know, the historical emitters of, of carbon, the U.S. and the EU. Are they going to to pay for their past emissions? Um, and what are you going to do to help countries like the Maldives or Barbados, which could disappear as a result of climate change? Even though, you know, the goal is 1.5, the U.S. and China is... You know, the best case scenario from what I've read is the analysis is that would get us to a 1.8 you know, degree Celsius of uh, raising of, of carbon from historical levels. So still so much to do, but way better than I think we yeah. hope going. Is this uh, potentially a turning point in the, the tough rhetoric between uh, Washington and Beijing as of late? The relationship has been in a horrible place for quite some time. Do you think this Monday conversation that they're going to have in this uh, working together this past Wednesday on climate issues – is it a turning point or is it just sort of another thing that they're working on and business kind of goes on as usual? Well, business is going on as usual, but but between the U.S. and, and, and China is governments. I mean, you're, you're seeing an upward 
uh, trajectory. Obviously, the climate agreement is probably the most concrete one. You've got a resumption of high level trade talks that, you know, picking up where the Trump administration had left off on the phase one yep. uh, uh, deal. You have uh, the resolution with uh, the Justice Department case against, you know, Meng from from Huawei, the, the CFO and in her release and then the Canadians being released um, by the Chinese. So you're seeing things loosening up and it's 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 playing into that framework of mm. that. Yes, the U.S. and China can cooperate while they have all of these other issues to the side. You know, I was at the, the Fullerton Hotel on Monday where Chan Chun Singh, uh, you know, Mr. Chan Chun Singh gave a lecture on um, the great power rivalry between between China and the U.S. and Singapore's role therein. And, and Chan Chun Singh said that, you know, the, whoever in this great power rivalry manages their domestic challenges between the U.S. and China, but also creates more and better opportunity within the single global system, they're going to be the winners. Mm. And that is where it's in the U.S. and China's interest to work together on climate, because if only one does, that's really going to disadvantage the other. Well, on that point, Steve, the interesting rivalry between the US and China took a slightly interesting turn via a possible Indonesian drone mm-hmm. this week, which I find an extraordinary story and how it plays into regional geopolitics. Tell us about this Indonesian drone and the possible sale with the US State Department. Well, the, the State Department is mulling the sale of armed drones uh, to Indonesia uh, and to Qatar. So it, it, it going, giving this type of, of technology um, to countries it hadn't sold to in the past. Um, but this is leading to a debate in the, in, the, in the Biden administration. It's been a long debate within the U.S. government where how do you counter what's in your geostrategic interests? when it comes to, to military versus human rights and protecting civilians. And if you go and read uh, the U.S. State Department's human rights report on Indonesia from 2020, I mean, it details that Indonesia has a history of human rights abuses hmm. um, and that it, it can, um, you know, go after civilians uh, and that there are people in the senior government in, in Indonesia in the military who had committed these atrocities year, years past and are now in senior leadership. So the question is, on the one hand, you can see it's in the geostrategic interests of the United States to give this type of military technology. But is it in the, from a human rights perspective, is it something the United States should be doing? So this is a, a really interesting one to watch as we'll find out if the United States does extend this type of service. Well, and let's not forget the uh, the economic reality of the military industrial complex uh, when we when we talk about this and and uh, you know Indonesia is considering buying uh, military hardware from Russia from South Korea from France and the United States and clearly the US doesn't want to miss out on any money and as we've seen how the drones have been uh, employed uh, in Afghanistan over the past 20 years, mm. uh, the massive uh, death and destruction both of combatants well. and non-combatants mm. Mm. of innocents, uh, including a recent couple of weeks here, uh, it is something that deserves fair consideration before it's just absolutely rubber stamped and done. Um, I, yeah, I would imagine at the end of the day, the money is going to win out on this, right? See the economic factor. Is going to rule no, but, uh, because you mentioned that the key words you mentioned were China and Russia, because the Indonesians are talking about buying missiles from China or Russia. Mm-hmm. So if the Indonesians get this technology from the United States or any country, right, that we want to be sure the United States government wants to be sure that they don't sell this to somebody else, that mm-hmm. they don't do technology transfers to somebody else, because that is 
not only in your strict, you know, not against your military interests, but it's also against your business interests because now your technology isn't going to be protected. You want to make sure whoever you sell this incredible technology to is going to protect that technology. And then the other issue is, well, what if you give them the drones without the missiles, hmm. but then a country buys the missiles from China or Russia and puts them on the drones. Then you're right back where you were. You're helping out. So very complicated in yeah. terms of, of what's in your interest economically and strategically. As always. Hey, not so complicated is the fact that Big Bird is getting anti-vax backlash in the U.S., only in the U.S., as you pointed out earlier, Just Neil. Just when you thought it was safe <laughs> can to go a, back in the water. <laughs> can a puppet be the a source puppet. of backlash? Tell us about what's going on with, uh, with Big Bird. So Big Bird, of course, from Sesame Street, uh, uh, he tweeted out, uh, or I should say Sesame Street uh, tweeted out and put out a video uh, where Big Bird said, I got the COVID-19 vaccine today. My wing is feeling a little sore but it'll give my body an extra protective boost that keeps me and others healthy. Woo, and, then, and then it began. <laughs> right. So Ted Cruz, Republican senator from, from Texas and, and presidential uh, wannabe, uh, he tweeted out, said, this is government pr- propaganda for your five-year-old. Uh, and so, you know, hilarity ensues from there. So you now have uh, a big bird for Senate campaign. Up and running uh, in Texas. Uh, and uh, there's, it raises one, it raises an interesting constitutional question because you have to be 30 years old to be a U.S. senator. But is Big Bird six or is Big Bird 52? He plays a six year old, but he's been on TV for 52 years. But the Senate campaign, I'm telling you, is very intimidating. Right. He's got Cookie Monster as his campaign manager. <laughs> yeah. Elmo is a senior advisor. Bert is doing communications. Uh, Bernie's the political director. And of course, the count is his campaign finance director. The count. That is a very formidable uh, campaign team he's got up against. Ted. That's the actual team. Or she, I don't in, know if Big Bird's a boy or girl. I thought you was actually giving me the real Republican team there. I, did, I, 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 I think this is the future. I think, you know, Miss Piggy next. Miss Piggy will be anti-gun laws. Yeah. She'll be up in uh, making talk. Where do we end with this, Steve? I mean, how low does it need to go here? <laughs> I don't know how much lower well, can Ted it go. Cruz said, <sighs> Ted Cruz said, you know, he meant his tweet sort of as a joke, which, of course, it wasn't funny. But then he said, Ted Cruz said, well, the liberals just lost, lost it because the entire corrupt corporate media is surrounding Big, big Bird. <laughs> they are protecting the big fella. And he said that all this noise about Big Bird versus Cruz, you know, we're not talking about immigration. We're not talking about inflation. And Ted Cruz says all these disasters are happening at once and none of them matter. But you mess with Big Bird. Holy crap. Send in Big Bird. Well, I mean, look, Glenn is off in December. He's he's heading back to the U.S. And if Big Bird is available to step into the chair, <laughs> we'll put Big Bird in the seat. I, I, you know, the 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 more I read the news, the sadder I get. So that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> when yeah, when Big call, Bird is you know, weaponized, we're a pro- We've got a problem. Big Bird's weaponized, and when you call trying to get children and make them more comfortable with a vaccine that the government has approved propaganda. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's nothing off limits on, on the culture wars totally agree. Uh, in the United States. Yeah. And it's this, 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 this grievance mentality uh, mm. that, that the, the Republicans in particular have been using um, and very effectively in, you know, winning a Virginia gubernatorial mm. seat, almost getting uh, the New Jersey, uh, right. winning the New Jersey governor's race. So it's, it's just, it's sad, um, but it's good to see some people can still have fun. All right, Steve, we got to leave it there. Thanks so much, Steve Oaken on International News Review. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks. 
International News Review. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.